Hello and welcome to Afternoonified. The podcast where it's all a big conspiracy. I'm Sarah. And I'm Emily. Jet fuel does not melt steel beam. voice. I haven't perfected that yet. Gonna have to work on I, it. I do it on accident most of the time. Because <laughs> it's always like a dumb sentence like, and then he pulled six jalapenos out of his butthole. <laughs> That's exactly where we're coming in, right? Yeah. <laughs> I think I've also adjusted my mic so I stop muttly laughing into it. <laughs> or just heavy breathing. Like that kid from Hey Arnold. <laughs> I'm just gonna. Oh, I guess I'm talking the whole episode. But it's like, next time you do an episode, I'll just sit here. <sighs> <sighs> okay. Oh my god. <laughs> this has gone off the rails so quickly. That's not staying in the episode. <laughs> I hope not. <laughs> just look uh, back, and Travis is staring at me. <laughs> To be fair, he did a way more impressive burp about five minutes ago, so. Well, he is a larger man. There's more hot air to be stored. This is true. This is true. What are we talking about? I know. No, I don't. I don't know what we're talking about. No, because I told you not to, because I want, I want to spin you a story. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay. Should we start? Should we go? Are you ready? We should go. We should dim go, the because the episode started, like, two minutes ago. Did you just dim your lights for real? <laughs> Yeah, I got a dimmer switch right here. I don't know if people know this, but we're not in the same state. Oh, no, we're thousands of miles away. We just know how to record like we're in the same room. Mm Mm-hmm. We are super audio professionals. Oh, for sure. I definitely don't have my mic, uh, like, scissor arm hooked to the inside of my desk drawer because I bought them without taking into account the size of my desk. (laughs) <laughs> okay what what is this what are we doing okay well let's start okay we're gonna start with a spooky a spooky story about a spooky disappearance are you ready are you ready to be spooked it, yes <laughs> okay so in july 1981 uh, a 14 year old girl named stacy Aris went on a horse riding trip with her father george and a group of about 10 others to the sunrise high sierra camp in Yosemite National Park. That was a very 80s sentence. A girl named Stacy went on a horseback riding trip. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Once they arrived and Stacy had the chance to shower and change, she told her dad she was going to stretch her legs and walk down to a nearby lake to take some photographs. Uh, while he took a pass on the hike, another man in the group, Gerald, who was in his late 70s, uh, decided to make the short trip with her. Uh, Gerald, of course, is in his late 70s, so eventually he grew tired and sat down to rest, uh, but Stacy continued on towards the lake on her own. He watched her walk along the trail until she went, to, went behind some trees and disappeared from sight. Uh, he never saw her return, uh, though the guide that had led the group to sunrise would later report that she had spotted Stacy standing on a rock about 50 yards south of the trail. She was never seen again. How many feet is 50 yards? Like, uh, like 150 feet. Not very okay. far. Okay, so like just off the trail? Yeah. Okay. And so while nearly 100 people joined in the search, the only trace of Stacy that was ever found was the lens cap of her camera. Ooh. It's not actually that spooky. It's uh, A little girl disappeared in the woods. Yeah, a little girl disappeared in the woods. Well, she and was that, 14. She was, that, a well, she was a child. She was a child. All right, that's the episode. So now, Good work. <laughs> and that was the story of Stacy. No, no, that's the whole point. Because what if I told you there are thousands of cases just like Stacy's across the United States and Canada? Thousands of disappearances in our national parks and wilderness area. Disappearances that the government doesn't want you to know about. All right, well, you, you were making sense until that last sentence because people get lost in the woods. That's just what people do. That's how people do. And congratulations, that's the whole sum of the episode. We're done. So what you're saying is you're going to lay out a conspiracy theory for me about people going missing in national parks. Yes. Oh boy. Buckle up. It's pretty great. 
It's a good thing I got the seatbelt installed on my office chair. <laughs> uh, so, this conspiracy theory on the internet is known as Missing 411. It's also called like the Can-Am Missing Project. Um, it was founded by this guy named David Politis, who is a former cop from San Jose, California. Um, and the Can-Am Missing Project is a website dedicated to understanding the complexity and issues of searching, rescuing, and investigating people missing in the wilds of North America. No. So, I mean, at face value, that's fairly normal. I don't know. I was just trying something out. <laughs> uh, so David's obsession with missing persons began when he claims he was visited by two un unnamed out-of-uniform rangers outside an unnamed national park. He won't so, even so say which men, one it was. Just dudes. Un-uniformed, unnamed men. He was like, oh, you must be rangers. So okay. That makes attracts, right? I mean, they were by a national park, so uh, they claimed. <laughs> I'm gonna go stand by a national park so I can be a park ranger. If you're within 50 feet of a national park, you're just a park ranger now. They give you the badge and everything. Yeah, th that's the rules. It's the law. And that's uh. the real conspiracy. Is <laughs> is who, who made that law? Being That's shanghaied into park ranger-ness. <laughs> okay. Anywho. Uh, these um, these rangers, I'm making air quotes, <laughs> it's a podcast, uh, claimed that there was something weird about the number of people who had gone missing in the country's national parks. <laughs> Paulides has since identified dozens of what he calls clusters across North America, of people who have gone missing from federal wildlands. And on top of that, he believes the Park Service is refusing to release the total number out of fear that, like, the number and the weirder details of some of the cases would shock the, shock the public so badly they'd stop visiting the parks entirely. Look, my dude. No. <laughs> it wouldn't. People go missing in forests. Do you want to hear a quote from David Politis? I don't know. But I have a feeling I'm going to hear it whether you're, I want to or not. You're going to get it regardless. <laughs> so Politis says, I sat in my room at the lodge and listened to the ranger tell me about a series of missing people inside our national parks. The ranger stated that the events were unusual, many people were never found, and the park service was doing everything possible to keep a lid on the publicity surrounding the missing. He explained that non-law enforcement employees weren't privy to all the information, but that upper echelon law enforcement supervisors inside the park service were concerned about the numbers and certain facts surrounding. Okay, so he knows Twin Peaks isn't real, right? Uh, I wouldn't. I wouldn't <laughs> assume that. What an excellent documentary by David Lynch. <laughs> Goodness. Politis has been a frequent guest on Coast to Coast AM. No, uh, this that's... is how I first heard of him. I think it was a, like a comment thread on Reddit that linked me to like one of these videos on YouTube, where it's just Politis talking and. Talking about cases and the big conspiracy, and it's fascinating for like five minutes. And More then... like Polanus, am I right? <laughs> Correct. <laughs> uh, since 2011, uh, Politis has published eight books available for sale on his website. Um, it waits, he released since when? Since 2011. In eight years, he's published eight books. Yeah. And he's released a full-length documentary called Missing 411, the movie, in uh, 2017. <laughs> I almost watched this, but it was as $10, a, and I didn't want to spend $10. As opposed to Missing 411, the ride at Universal? <laughs> Wouldn't you ride that? No, because then you just go in the ride, and, and then, then you, you don't come, come out. out. <laughs> Man, they replaced Jurassic Park with this. The fun part about his books is that he had to self-publish them. Well, um, duh. Of course. Um, and he would sell them on their website for like $50. I've never also, I've also never read any of his books because I'm not going to pay $50. I'm sorry. When uh, I self-published, I would have just given the books away. You literally did give the books away. Didn't I you? did. It's like, I have one. You have the book. Did I pay for it? I don't think so. I can't but remember. I'm also, it also has been rewritten like twice since then. So, <laughs> so you made a good, good choice of publishing at that time <laughs> yeah yeah 23 year olds should definitely self-publish because everyone <laughs> needs to read their work obviously 
Oh, I think I did actually go check his website, and the books are down to about $25 a book now, probably because it's starting to pick up steam on the internet. And I just are... don't understand why people aren't buying my books. Your $50 books. Oh, my God. <laughs> They're okay. very reasonably priced for the amount of effort <laughs> I put into them. Sharon, I feel like you're not listening to me. He's got to recoup all the costs of all the FOIA requests he makes to the U.S. government. <laughs> all right. So... In David's own words, I don't put any theories in the books. I just connect facts. That's what Which is a totally theorizing thing is. to say. That's what theorizing is. It's connecting facts and... Yep. I need to see a picture of this man. Oh, I have one. I'll send it. One oh, second. please do. Oh, do you think I wasn't going to find a picture of David Politis? He... I, I have know. an image of him in my head and I don't know if it's correct. And that was what I wanted to add. Like, what would you, what is your image in your head? So he's uh, in his like mid to late 50s, white hair, big walrus mustache. <laughs> I'm going to send you the picture one second. Got to find, where do I go to the chat? Skype chat. Oh, it was close. No walrus mustache, but nice beard. Middle-aged. Hey. Yeah. Not too far from what you'd expect. Ah, uh, so what makes these cases different from any other missing persons cases? Nothing. <laughs> you know, I was I had this whole idea in my head and I knew it wouldn't work because I was gonna crack up and laugh about five minutes in of like presenting this as a real genuine mystery <laughs> and then laying out while it's bu- while it's bullshit. But as you can tell, it's a really stupid mystery. <laughs> I mean, I wasn't going to say stupid, but... (laughs) Just, we haven't even gotten to the stupid parts yet. Oh, good. Okay. So there's a bunch of, like, recurring themes, weird coincidences. He calls them patterns that make these cases different. Uh, One of them, dogs are unable to track scents or don't appear to want to search. Uh, People disappear in the late afternoon. Victims are found with clothing or footwear removed. Bodies are discovered in areas that were previously searched. Uh, remains, especially of children, are found improbable distances from the last place they were seen, often in difficult terrain. Uh, victims are often children with disabilities or highly educated adults. Both, because those I are guess. exactly the same thing. Uh, there's He makes a big deal about weird things like proximity to water, berry patches, are areas with heavy boulders. Now tell me, um, were there also smiley faces carved into trees around the disappearance sites? Yes. Always. Well, honestly, probably. <laughs> it is the most common form of graffiti. Who knew? Clearly uh, not the people who made that documentary. <laughs> but like, when he talks about like, the berries pop up in these cases a lot. It's like, they go missing while picking berries. Some are found while eating berries. The connections between some disappearances and berries cannot be denied. The way you said berries just then reminded <laughs> me of the little lad from the berries and cream commercials. Berries and cream. <laughs> Thanks, that's stuck in my head for eternity. I'm going to be on my deathbed and I will still remember the berries and cream commercial. <laughs> Storms also inexplicably seem to hit after someone has been reported missing. Um... And David has apparently um, ruled out any cases that are clearly suicides, animal attacks, or have a clear explanation. They're all not included in his little clusters or patterns. Or <sighs> So this is bullshit, right? Yeah. Like, we're, we're agreed. It's complete bullshit. I'm going well, I mean, to explain why it's all bullshit. But... <laughs> I need to hear what he thinks it could be, because if he's like, aliens, then yeah. Well, we'll get into that. <laughs> uh, so... Thing I I buried the lead about Politis, um, because he isn't he wasn't known for missing four one one first. He first like came to popular knowledge, uh, not popular knowledge, weirdo internet knowledge, Reddit knowledge. <laughs> uh, he got his start researching Bigfoot. Okay, yep, there it is. There's that shoe I was waiting for. Yeah, yeah there we go. Uh, so a lot of people like I. I'm on Reddit way too much. And I frequently like kind of lurk on this subreddit card called Unresolved Mysteries. And about every month, someone will make a thread about there's all these people going missing in the national parks. 
and it's a fairly rational sub so people will like jump in and say like this is bullshit this is why Paulitis is likes Bigfoot but people like in the comment section will get all defensive about it they'll say Paulitis he never draws any specific conclusions about what's causing these disappearances that's the sign of a shitty but, theory but also if you listen to him for more than five minutes it's pretty clear he's implying there's some supernatural weirdness about it <laughs> like even the people who there's a this is a quote from the missing 411 subreddit so people who actually believe in this uh it <laughs> it seems like he thinks it's some sort of extra dimensional being but isn't exactly sure what i could be wrong though because he is often vague so a great example of this is he frequently mentions this case it's dennis martin and he was the little boy who went missing in the smoky mountains back in like 1969 um, <laughs> nice. So I, I did listen to one of his interviews, not on Coast to Coast. It was a different weird radio show. Um, but he's talking about Dennis's disappearance and what he considers to be what he frequently says is the most important part of this case is that there was a sighting by a family elsewhere in the park of something, quote, like a person carrying something on its shoulders. Politis, he goes on and on about this sighting. He's so careful about how he describes it, like... It's like, oh, someone in the family thought I was a bear. And they went, hey, look at that bear over there. And everyone looks at the bear. And eventually the father starts to think, are we sure that's a bear? It kind of looks like a person. So he's laying this out. He's obviously implying it's a Bigfoot or a Bigfoot-like creature. He's just not saying the word Bigfoot. Because the second he says the word Bigfoot, everyone calls bullshit. Isn't it? I feel like I've had this discussion with someone else recently. Is it? Bigfoot is the one in the Pacific Northwest and the rest are Sasquatches? Yes. Okay. I think we were having that conversation. Probably. <laughs> I think I also had it with Travis yeah. about Monster Pod stuff. Yeah, it was, I think it was during our Monster Pod recording. Ah, yes. Yeah. So it's the Bigfoot, a Sasquatch. Yeah. Um, Doesn't uh, matter. They're both not real. <laughs> We've talked uh, about this on the show. Uh, not us, but... No. Yeah, Bigfoot is not real. Anyway, uh, well, no, what else isn't real? Aliens? No, they're real, <laughs> but... Uh, David Paulides' law enforcement background. Um, oh, oh. <laughs> Vice, oh, he's a liar. There was an article from Vice, and that journalist said he couldn't verify that he was ever law enforcement. I've also heard that he was, he was law enforcement, but he was, like, kicked out for gambling something. I don't know. So either he's... Never law enforcement or disgrace law enforcement. Either way. What if he's actually the Golden State Killer? <laughs> <laughs> what if he's actually Bigfoot? <gasps> Misdirection. <laughs> um, Politis also likes to make a fuss that he's received almost no cooperation from the National Park Service. Well, why but would he? Exactly. He never seems to stop and consider that he's made a name for himself as a Bigfoot re researcher and is being preemptively called out on his bullshit. <laughs> No one, no, no, no All right. Speaking of the National Park Service, um, he makes a big deal that, like, he called around and he couldn't, like, he couldn't get the National Park Service to give them a number of people, give him a number of people who have gone missing in the parks. Um, it's unlikely that they even have one because the federal government just doesn't aggregate statistics on missing people. Um, law enforcement in this country is super decentralized. Missing people are often handled by local law enforcement and reporting missing persons to NamUs is typically voluntary. So like, that's not great that they can't keep track of this, but also it's not a huge cover up. Well, and with an area that big and that <clears throat> wild, like it would yeah, almost be it's... impossible. Like what if someone who doesn't have anyone to report them missing just wanders into the forest and like gets lost? It's not. Yeah. You wouldn't even know. Yeah. And also, it's like, it's not the Park Service that investigates the disappearances. They don't even manage the search sometimes. Um, like, big parks like Yosemite and Yellowstone have dedicated search and rescue teams, but usually it's the county sheriffs. Um, the county sheriff isn't always best, the great, greatest, like, funded organizations. Yeah, because um, it's local government, and sometimes these places are around small towns. And also, the Park Service is just responsible, if I'm not incorrect, for making sure the parks stay pretty. Pretty much. That's why they employ Smokey. <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah, and they don't, like, they're not communicating all the time with the county sheriff either. Like, um, one of the articles quoted, like, an actual park ranger um, who, like, said sometimes she doesn't learn that there's a search going on in the park until she reads about it in the local paper. Like, it's just the reality. Yeah. The whole aspect of the whole conspiracy is premised on the idea that law enforcement agencies are communicating, which has never been true in the history of law enforcement. <laughs> Literally never. Like, it's only been within the last 30 or 40 years that, um, like, between cities, people, or yeah. even districts, especially in places like New York, it's like, no, we're not going to give the fucking Brooklyn cops stuff. Like, we want to solve exactly. it. Yeah. So, Politis has made up a number, or calculated a number. Um, he He's puts made num- it up. <laughs> he puts it at about 1,600. Uh-huh. Um, which sounds, it's a lot of people, but um, that, until you realize that 330 million people visited national parks just in 2017. I was going to get out my calculator <laughs> to get a percentage on that, and then I remembered that I I don't know how to use that information. <laughs> well, and it's not even 1,600 people went missing in 2017. It's 1,600 people in, like, the last 100 years since the parks were... Wait, that's it? That's it. That's it. It's like an all-time That, that aren't explained by animal attacks or suicides. Yeah. Oh, my God. Um, it also includes people who are missing on all public lands. So not just national parks. It's like national forests and things like that, which is like 640 million acres. It's 28% of the United States. Yeah, I was going to say, like, just around us, I can name, like, well, I can't name them, but I can point to them on a map, like, three different national forests. Mm-hmm. So it's absolutely fair to level this, like, as a criticism of the National Park Service and the Department of the Interior. Like, they should be better at tracking this. But couching it in this stupid conspiracy theory (laughs) is dumb and never. My general, like, motto in life is never ascribe malice to anything that can easily be explained by good old-fashioned incompetence. Yeah. um, (laughs) But Sarah... What about the supernatural causes? What about the wormhole this man seems to think has opened up in Yosemite? Oh, that's great, because this next section. Uh, So Politis does discuss real cases. Uh, His books are basically laid out where he picks, like, a geographical area and then just, like, tells the stories of a bunch of cases. But he tends to cherry-pick and sometimes embellish some details to make cases sound weirder than they are. Um, a lot of, there's some really bizarre stories that he describes that have names changed for privacy. Um, I'm sorry, the cat is just... <laughs> doing what my cat was doing three minutes ago. Uh, she never loves me until I'm podcasting. Yeah, that's how it goes. Mine is ignoring me again. Lucy, can you? Thanks, if you're going to be at a pain in the ass, can you get me like a blanket or something? I'm a little chilly. Nope. Okay. Just, yeah, just set your butthole right on my notebook. That's... Mm. Butthole notebook. Will you, Travis? Can you come get your daughter? <laughs> can you come get the cat? <laughs> oh, there's a cat butthole. <laughs> well, she's busy putting her butthole on things. Oh, it's <laughs> oh, That went well. <sighs> okay, where was I? Before the cat's butthole. Okay, oh, um, in Politis, he also has a habit of taking, like, old rumors or inaccuracies and presenting them as fact as long as they serve this greater narrative of his. Uh, to be fair, this isn't just Politis. Like, the story I told you at the top of the episode of Stacey Aris. Yeah. Um, like, the details of that vary wildly across the internet, um, from the size of the group she rode in with to the distance she had to walk to the lake. Many said it's only a couple hundred feet, when in reality it was probably, like, a mile and a half hike which is a huge discrepancy when it comes to getting lost in the wilderness. <laughs> um, contemporary news reports never even mentioned that searchers found the lens cap. So I I didn't search too hard, but I couldn't, I couldn't tell you where that detail came from. For all we know, Politis made it. Yeah, sometimes stuff like that just gets made up and no one knows where it came from. Yeah, and it gets copy-pasted yeah. over the rest of the internet. Uh, the patterns he describes are also pretty broad and statistically dubious. <laughs> So, like it's I mentioned, a polite way to say he's fucking wrong. <laughs> so all this bullshit about berries and briar patches and swamps, like all of this, is so common in wilderness areas that the fact that they went that they were nearby, it doesn't mean much. He might as well said like they went missing near a tree in the forest. <laughs> like they're just everywhere. 
Yeah, berries um, are full of... No, not berries are full of forest. Forests are full of berries. Exactly. Um, and as far as, like, going missing in the late afternoon, like, most of these people are out on day hikes. So they're yeah. usually expected back in the late afternoon. Uh, so it's more likely it's when they'll be reported missing. It doesn't necessarily mean that's when they went missing. Uh, and even if we don't meet any of the criteria Paulitis lies out, that doesn't necessarily disqualify anything. Like, if it does fit the pattern, it's suspicious. If it doesn't, it's irrelevant. <laughs> <laughs> like, dogs being unable to pick up a scent. Um, putting aside the fact that search dogs, not infallible, not omniscient, can't be expected to be 100% accurate all the time. And even if it just rains a little bit. Yeah, it's, it's like, it's self-selecting evidence. So if they did find a scent, they found the missing person. In the cases of Mysterious, it's not included in this cluster. Uh, this also holds true, yeah, like you mentioned with the rain, the searches are frequently played by sudden storms. Storms are more frequent at higher elevations, like when you're in the National Park in the mountains. Inclement weather is automatically going to make the search more difficult. It increases the chances of hypothermia, so the victims are likely to be found dead. Like, well, it's not... And you mentioned earlier about victims being found uh, in places that had already been searched, but that doesn't take into account um, people miss things. But also, like, if there is a bunch of rain, like, it could uncover something that had been buried or that kind of thing. Exactly, yeah. And Politis, and that's kind of the point, is that Politis has little to no understanding of how missing persons are known to behave. Um, that like many, he says many are found near water. Well, yeah. lost people are going to find a river or a stream and follow it. They think it'll lead them back to civilization, except they that, die. That's not a thing. Before they get anywhere. Yeah. And also not. We really right. need to do that outdoor survival episode. <laughs> really just take something that we are experts on. Yeah. I love the outdoors. I went to Girl <laughs> Scout survival camp for three years. So. Oh, so you actually are like, for, I'm not. I can build a lean-to and make those, like, freeze-dried meals and, you know, start a fire. So, if I ever get lost in the woods, I want to get lost with you. I mean, I would prefer we just didn't get lost in the woods. <laughs> I mean, we could try that, too. The most I would like to get lost in the woods is when we were on that uh, college campus when I visited Minneapolis. Oh, and we, yeah. we probably found a ghost. Oh, we absolutely found a ghost. That also wasn't a forest. No, exactly. <laughs> It was Fun just fact, some though, trees. We were actually near, like a national, not a national forest, a national something. Well, my In favorite city. part of it yeah. was we were. Ha! Jesus Christ, cats! <laughs> this is a spooky story. I can understand why you're so <laughs> jumpy. Um, no, because we were looking for stuff like in a ravine, kind of. But then there was bushes shaking which was a squirrel i know it was but squirrel. the bushes were shaking right near the thing we were looking for that wasn't supposed <laughs> to be there for more details please see boo haha episode episode something it's called standard ghost nonsense yeah that sounds about right it's basically a bonus episode of afternoonified at this exactly. point uh so politis also makes a big deal about victims being found with their clothing removed um there's a case he cited from northern minnesota actually about a hunter named Corey kelly um, he went missing in the middle of hunting and his body was found 12 miles from his camp. And over the path, the searchers found his hat, his sweater, his coveralls. He basically was stripping as he was wandering through the woods. Hypothermia makes you want to take your clothes off. It does. It sounds very irrational, but it's actually a very well-documented phenomenon. It's called paradoxical undressing. It's so well known that I knew about it. Exactly. Emily knew about it, and Emily's super dumb. <laughs> I'm an idiot. <laughs> so for those of you who don't know, basically, when you're suffering from hypothermia, all your blood vessels constrict. This is kind of, okay, this is going to get a little into the weeds, but I found it interesting. So what it is, is like all your blood vessels constrict to shut down the loss of heat from like your arms and your legs. Um, but over time, like your muscles, they just get tired of doing this. So they give up and all of the heat rushes back to your arms and legs. So the victims experience this. They feel like they're burning up, so they start taking up. Um, and by the way, you don't even need to be in freezing temperatures to experience hypothermia. People can get hypothermia in temperatures as high as 50 degrees, and even higher if it's wet and windy. Really? Yeah. Because I think it's, there's something about being wet, and especially the wind, it just... 
Well, the the water will cool your body faster. Yeah. Water cools your body. Like, you lose heat faster, essentially. It's basically like having a radiator on your skin that's Mm -hmm. kind of taking the heat and wicking it away with the... Exactly. I think that is a real thing. And what I said was sound science. But, I mean, at this point, between us and the guy we're talking about, it's not the dumbest thing that's been said on the show. (laughs) Well, you know, it sounds right, and I did a whole 10 minutes of research about hypothermia, <laughs> so I'm basically an expert at this point, so I'm yeah, going to say you're right. That's how podcasting works. Exactly. You <laughs> research something for 10 minutes, and then you get to talk to people for an hour and a half about it and how you're right. Yep. I am right about everything in this podcast. <laughs> um, speaking of, um, it's not weird for bodies to be discovered in areas that were previously searched. Um, SAR teams, they work off a grid, but this doesn't mean they're necessarily covering every acre. They kind of just pick out like what areas the person's most likely to be in. And then if they don't find them there, they go to a different one. But like there's mapping errors, there's miscommunications. There's people not Sometimes paying attention. People just get missed. And when you're looking for someone who's still alive, like they're going to keep moving. They're going to circle back to cleared areas. Yeah. You can't like, they're not going to stay put. Yeah, like if they were alive when you were doing the search and then you were just behind them or like kept missing them, they could go back to where you've already searched because they heard people there and then just mm-hmm. keel over. Yeah, and it's also like I've heard, I don't have any specific things to cite, but like cases of people like being 50 yards away in the woods and yelling and like they just can't hear them because the trees are so thick or there's so much underbrush that... You can be really close to another person in the woods and never even know it. Yeah, or the search party is just being too loud, which is very (laughs) ironic and very sad. Uh, The other thing Paulitis likes to yell about is bodies being found improbable distances from where the victim was last seen. Uh, He usually measures this in miles. So, like, they're distances that are definitely impressive. They're not inconceivable. Corey Kelly, who I mentioned earlier, he was found 12 miles away. That's Um, not that much. Another was found, like, 14. It's... A long way to walk, but it's also like Corey Kelly's body wasn't found until spring. We have no ma- no idea how many days he was wandering. Uh, yeah. Desperate lost people can push themselves to some pretty crazy extremes, but it's like, no one's like showing up in different states or at the top of Mount Everest or anything like that. Yeah, it's just I mean we don't know how long they kept themselves alive. It could have been yeah. like a week of walking. Exactly. Um, He'll also cite cases where people were found at higher elevations. He finds this completely mind-boggling because why would people hike up when they could just go down? Better view, you dumb idiot. Better view. (laughs) He's also, he never stops to consider that the person who's lost might be panicked or disoriented. Symptom of hypothermia, by the way. Like, you are working off this rationale that the person is making logical decisions when that's not always the case. It sounds like he has something he believes and he is desperately trying to find evidence to make the thing that he believes, like, scientifically sound. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and when you, like, present evidence evidence to the contrary, it's dismissed. Yeah, as not part of, like, his test group or, or yeah. whatever. Oh, it's, like, it's not a big deal to or he'll really, find a way to explain it. Can't fathom higher elevations. Just no. not. Just not. Not a place that they could be more easily seen. Can't perhaps. get that through his noggin. Uh, he does lay out a few cases where the missing person was actually found alive and well. Uh, but a lot of the time, in like at least the cases he lays out, he's unable to explain. Or they are unable to explain either how they went missing or any of the details. But also most of the time, this is very small children. How do you? I mean... I don't know how you would know how you went missing. Like, one minute you were there, and then the next minute you were lost, and then you're missing. Yeah. And, of course, this is, like, it just becomes part of the mystery. Because there's no explanation. So why the, there's no explanation as to why the facts don't add up. So it just, oh, well, it's mysterious then. And not just, like, the person can't communicate that. Um, and, of course, the people... Where the, the cases where the facts do add up are completely, they aren't included in this group because they make sense and there's no mystery. <laughs> I only want the ones that don't make. Speaking of cases that don't make sense, this is my favorite one. <laughs> what I'm horse so girl exci- is going missing in this one? <laughs> I'm so excited to tell you about this mystery. I just want to watch the look on your face. Okay, so this is an actual case that Paul cites in his book. Um, It's an unnamed three-year-old boy that went missing near California's Mount Shasta. 
To, prefer, uh, to preface this, Mount Shasta um, seems to be a hotspot for kind of a lot of new agey nonsense and UFO conspiracies. Listen, we don't have a lot to do out here. <laughs> Clearly. Uh, there are stories about an ancient people known as the Lemurians that live underground. Okay, that one is bullshit, but whatever. <laughs> so this is, like this is the backdrop for this story, is this crazy mountain where UFOs like to land. It's also the name of a local soda company. It's disgusting. Yeah. No, it's, I would imagine a, like, imagine a step below uh, RC Cola. Oh, boy. Thankfully, Travis didn't hear me say RC Cola. (laughs) Travis drinks RC Cola? He loves it. He is shaking his head, like, nodding, yes. And you've been dating him for two years? Look. Beggars can't be choosers, I guess. He says it's the best cola. I would venture to say (laughs) that Coke is the best cola, but this is beside the point. It's all better than Shasta. Shasta. I hope that gets picked up on the audio. The the penis gallery usually does get picked up on the audio. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Okay. So this little boy goes missing. Uh, Fortunately, he was found just five hours later. Is he Uh, still, like, considered a missing person then? No, but he went missing, so it was a missing person's case. Okay. Um, he was found actually just off the trail, which Politis, of course, thought was very weird. Because no, everything it's not. is weird. Um, a few weeks, <laughs> it gets worse. Um, a few weeks after the incident, the kid starts telling his grandma a story about what happened while he was lost. Oh, God. He tells her that his other grandma took him to a cave, but it wasn't actually his grandma, it was just a robot that looked like his grandma. And she kept him in a cave full of spiders and purses and guns. And there were some other robots. And then she said that he was from outer space. And he's three? (laughs) He's three. It all checks out. (laughs) Politis, when he's telling this on the radio, he takes the whole story at face value. It's like, I I have nieces and nephews. I don't know if you've ever spent any time around three-year-olds. They have no concept of what is reality versus what they are just making up. How long was he missing for? Like five hours. Okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, so, but Politis and the grandmother, too, that reports the story, they completely dismiss the idea that it's just a kid making shit up. Because Mount Chest is a weird place where weird things happen. So Not robot grandma robot totally tracks. Guns and purses. Oh, my God. It's, yeah. This is how the whole satanic panic started. This right it's, here is believing it's exactly three-year-olds. exactly the McMartin preschool cases. Yeah, they flushed us down the toilets and took us to Mexico. And therapists are going, why would they make this up? Because there's, because children are stupid. Uh, so in cases where bodies were never found at all, it's just really fucking hard to find bodies in the woods. It's animals and woods and... yeah. Their national parks are huge and vast. It's so hard to search all that land. There's trees and rocks and undergrowth. And caves. Um, people, there's this thing called terminal terminal burrowing, where people who are dying of hypothermia will crawl into small hidden places. Like, like logs. Yeah, it's like they're just trying, it's their last ditch effort to save themselves. And Would you die. say that hypothermia put Bella in the witch elm? no. But only because there was gauze stuffed in her mouth. And there's a weird detail of a weird case that's in my brain forever. Oh, we'll talk about it at some point. Do oh, not yes. worry. <laughs> so, but anyway, all of this, like, it's amazing that we've ever found anyone in the woods at all. So It's and, true, yeah. Yeah. So Politis claims to have excluded obvious cases of suicides or animal attacks. But he also never go, really goes into detail about how he made those determinations. Why would given he? everything else that he believes like do we really want to take his word for it i wouldn't take his word for it if he told me the sky was blue sarah (sighs) he's yeah so to sum it up i just want to i want to tell a story because it's easy i think there's this perception that national parks for this crowd of people at least like there's this perception that they're these curated wilderness experiences when it's a lot like there's big chunks like I have a you business can... idea. <laughs> what a curated wilderness experience? Yes, we need to start a company. I think that's for called hipsters. Uh, yeah, I guess that Sorry, would just the be hipsters going to beat you to it. They, but, yeah, 
to be fair, like some of the national parks are like that. Like you go to Yellowstone and there's like paved trails for you to follow in some places. But then there's also like hundreds of thousands of square miles of backcountry to get lost in. But yeah, like even when we went to like a nice campsite this summer, you know, there were trails and there was a bathroom and everything like it didn't stop mice from getting into our hot dog buns and shitting in them like you're (laughs) it's the woods it's yeah it's the woods uh so i want to leave you with the case of a woman called geraldine Largay. um i think that's how you pronounce her name i'm sorry it's an unfortunate name really screwed that up she was a 66 year old hiker on the appalachian trail uh she literally stepped off it's appalachian oh i'm sorry appalachian forgot you got to throw an Appalachia yeah <laughs> but she so the Appalachian Appala, sorry Appalachian Trail um just undoing 30 years of thinking it was pronounced away <laughs> yeah no, no. Um, it's a very popular very well like populated trail but she literally stepped off to go to the bathroom and got turned around in just like this particularly rugged section of wilderness um, and we know exactly how this happened because she kept a journal um, so as she set up her camp, which is exactly what you're supposed to do, you're supposed to stay put, wait for rescue. So she did that, and then uh, she died of starvation and exposure after 26 days. 26 she days? She survived for 26 days. Damn, Geraldine. Um, her remains weren't found for another two years, and she, when they finally did find her, her camp was less than a mile from the trail. I was going to say, like, how far away (laughs) did she manage to wander? Yeah, and she just stepped off. She got turned around. She kept going in the wrong direction. Like, they had texts. And she knew she was in trouble. They had, like, texts that didn't actually get sent but were found on her phone later, like, to her husband that she knew she was in trouble because she couldn't just – she stepped off, and then she couldn't find the trail again. Um, It was horrifying. (laughs) There was a a book about a dude – who, like, left his life to go live in the woods, and then they found him, like, starved in a van? Into the wild. Yes, I've also that read that. One. Yeah, that was Christopher McCandless, I think his name was. And I've seen Why the movie. Why is that a I've story that we all know? I don't... They made a movie about it, Into the Wild. It had right. a Neil Hirsch. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and then um, John Krakauer wrote a book about it, too, which I think is what the movie was based off of. But, yeah, he just kind of walked into the woods, into Alaska, and... He wasn't, like, that far out. Would you out, say he walked into the wild? He walked into the wild. Mm, of, mm-hmm, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think he got, like, he got trapped in the winter, like, behind, like, he couldn't cross the river to get back to civilization and just ended up starving in this thing. We're going to do a Wikipedia search. Da, 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 um, I just I just remember seeing pictures of his body, and it was very scary. I don't know if there's pictures of his body. There's pictures, like, the last known picture of him taken is, like, sitting out by the van. And I also, like, it's burned into my brain because he's so skinny. That might have been the picture I was yeah. thinking. Ooh, yep. Yeah. I'm not going to look at it again, and I don't think we're going to put it on the Instagram because, like, it deeply disturbs me. Oh, no, I'm putting this on the Instagram. Like, his teeth are just all out there for the world to see. Okay, so I will just avoid the Instagram. Oh, but there's pictures of Emile Hirsch, which is a little easier to look at. Just some speed racer in there to break up the fucking horrifying <laughs> yeah this is where i think i texted you and sadie midway through when i was researching and it was after i would i remembered hearing about the story when it happened so i was digging up the details again and just the idea of being so close to rescue and help never comes and there's nothing you, oh it just yeah this is the existential <laughs> dread i was talking about yeah i mean yeah it's it's creepy how easy it is to go missing in the woods, but if you're prepared, like... Yeah, and I say, we should, ca- yeah, the caveat being, don't be scared to go into the woods. Just stupid asshole. Oh, he ate some seeds that, um... Right. That caused uh, him to starve faster. Yeah. Yeah, it's grim. Hmm. Yeah, he died in his sleeping bag of starvation in, like, August, and they didn't find him until... September. Gross. Well, that's going to be a fun read for when I can't sleep tonight. Yeah. Enjoy so, having that picture in your head. So this is all... Uh, that's the end of my notes. big old load of bullshit. I'm, aren't you glad that I could tell you the story? Now you know about it. Now it's in your brain forever. The, the thing is that he... Mm, this dude didn't present, like, 
any kind of theory. I would have respected it more if he had been like, okay, so it's Bigfoot, but also forest ghosts. Just be upfront about it. It's this whole bullshit where he tries to pretend he's so like above it and that like I'm I'm not like making any crazy claims. I'm just pointing out some weird stuff. Like Yeah, it sounds crazier because he's not giving a reason. Yeah. It's, oh, it's such bullshit. This is exactly <laughs> when you invited me to host to co-host with you, it was like trying to think of episodes to do. And my first immediate thought was, I need to spend an hour dunking on David Politis or I will die. <laughs> Great. So can we dunk on David Politis? You, oh, here we go. Go to his website. Uh, can you send me the link? I will. Okay, let's take a look at this dude's website. Yep, I sent you the link in Skype. What's the 411 for? I don't know. 411 is information, I think. So just missing information. Oh. Yeah. I don't know. It's just always been called Missing 411. I think that was the title of the first book he did. This website's awful. Mm-hmm. It makes me want to die. This also, I clicked on the link that says National Park Service, and the page is password protected. I really want to know what's behind that page. This bitch. Oh, God, this is so bad. So this is just him trying to sell his books. Like, there's no mm -hmm. actual information. Yeah, no, it's all just links to his books. Which, I feel like it would be interesting to read from the perspective of, I like hearing stories about missing people, and, like, I love, even when I know it's bullshit, I kind of love to hear, like, spooky details. But oh, no, I, I love that, too. But I don't want to pay him $25. Well, it says order through our partner site here, www. Uh, what I assume is NorthAmericanBigfootSearch.com. Oh, yeah, that's his original website. I forgot to mention that. So <gasps> this website is vastly better. Oh, look, there's a picture of Travis on it. <laughs> um, yeah. This is awful. It's awful. It's just... Oh, 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 what's this? What's this? I, I just uh, opened up the Bigfoot Search website. It, it is Travis. <laughs> the um, online store is closed. Hmm. Yeah. Watch her two-hour special about missing people that will air the Saturday night on the History Channel titled Vanish. The show is based off the missing 411 books. Uh, History Channel, stop History doing Channel. this. Don't validate these people. God. I mean, they do have Vikings, right? Yeah, but that's, like, scripted. Well, yeah. I mean, but Vikings they, they is good. They used to be, like, I've, I've heard it's a good show, but, like, History Channel, I used to love the History Channel. It used to be the channel for dads. Oh, yeah, it was my dad's channel. My dad. No, they gave, they gave this man just a show. They gave this man a fucking show. Yep. Why? Because he's a crazy person. Let's see what other shows are on the History oh my Channel. God. Oh, I heard The Curse of Oak Island is good, though. So. I gotta send you a picture of this book. There's, um,. Oh, what do they call those poems that have the letters and then they spell the letters and the, each of the letters spell a word? Bullshit. <laughs> um, they also have shows on the History Channel called Swamp People, Truck Night in America, American Pickers, Pawn Stars, obviously, Knife Fight, Forged in Fire, The Secret History of the White House. Here's a mystery for you, David Politis. What happened to the History Channel? Project Blue Book. Mm-hmm. To be completely honest, though, Curse of Oak Island is supposed to be good, but... Oh, I could probably do a whole episode on how Oak Island is all good, but... Listen! <laughs> I'm gonna watch it! <laughs> Alright, let's take a look at this link. Uh -huh. I thought this said law and water, but it says land, air, water. I saw that, too. It turns out it's just really poor design. I'm going to say it's terrible design. <laughs> yeah. Put a picture of that on the Instagram, too. So everyone oh, for sure. can yeah. see. Oh, David. Dear David. This, uh, now, uh, dear David. <laughs> While we're on the subject of bullshit. Uh, you you I, already did a podcast on that. I'm not going to. I already did it with Devin from Thinking Sideways. Um at that point, I wanted to give it the benefit of the doubt, and I still maintain that Dear David was a very fun story. Yes. Um, but 
as I, I was telling Devin, I lost that kind of like, maybe when there were pictures. Because the more evidence you give me, the less I believe it. Yeah, it's like the original tweet thread that you showed me, like that first one, was genuinely spooky and scary. And if you would have just left it at that, I would have believed the pictures, it. The pictures themselves are very scary, but... But not in like a way where you think it's real, just that it's... Like it's a shock to the system, sort of. It was the it was the tiny shoe that really just <laughs> tiny shoes will do that. So, uh, if you, I was gonna say if you have theories about this topic, but I'm gonna be real with you. If you have theories about this talk topic that aren't, it's wrong. <laughs> and people go missing in the woods. Who knew? Um. We're on Twitter at Afternoonified. We're also on Instagram where we'll post any relevant pictures from this episode. And that's also at Afternoonified. Facebook.com slash GetAfternoonified. And then our website, GetAfternoonified.com. Um, you remembered all of those. I'm really proud because I haven't taken the time to learn them yet. Oh, now it's my cat being an asshole. <laughs> um, also, if you could rate, <laughs> review, subscribe. Genius. All of that that fun stuff. We also have merch. There are links on the website. We haven't addressed the new theme song. Oh, oh yeah. There's or a new the new song. art at all. We, we um, did a rebrand. Yes, we felt that we no longer deserved the like classy Victorian <laughs> educational angle that we had been playing for the last two years. Especially now when I joined. Um... Yeah, that just, we threw all semblance of being educational out the window then. Quit it. Stop. I am currently um, finding the person who did the theme song, so credit can be given. Oh, yeah. Do you want to say hi to the podcast? <laughs> yeah, so that new website is um, by Azure, F Azure Flux. I can read. Um it's called Strike Witches Get Bitches. It's an amazing song that I always have stuck in my head now. <laughs> um, yeah, that's everything. Now I'm just going to be thinking about Into the Wild for the rest of the night. And his weird corpse skeleton teeth. Just just go down a whole rabbit hole of missing person stories. That's the fastest way to... <laughs> when I can't sleep, I read about the ride mechanics for different rides at Disneyland. <laughs> Like, did you know that the Indiana Jones Jeeps cannot go backwards for safety reasons? And when you're in that tunnel where the boulder is rolling towards you, it's actually the walls moving? Interesting. Yes. Also, it's scored in a way that no matter how long it takes you to actually get through the ride, the score always hits in the right spot. Do you? Okay, so I'm not familiar with this ride. Do you have to drive yourself through? No. Um, you're just... The, you're on tracks? Yeah, you're on tracks. You're in a Jeep. You're not driving it. So how does, like, where's the time discrepancy come from? Uh, it depends on, like, when they feed uh, cars into. Oh, gotcha. Um, because it, there's different scenes and stuff, and the scenes have different music. And this is going to be a topic for another Disneyland episode. <laughs> I was just, I'm assuming you're just going to cut this out of the episode. <laughs> no, no. No, 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 no. I'm preparing to say goodbye. <laughs> First we have to talk Disney ride mechanics, then we say goodbye. I think I'm going to end the episode right there. <laughs> uh, let's stop recording. In okay. three, two, one, go.